So sadness, everyone's favorite topic, right? Uh, at least it's a beautiful day outside. So actually, that's me a good thing later on today, I think, with what I'm going to ask you to conclude. But I'm trying to figure out where to go right now. I think what I want to do first is I want you to understand what this psalm is. So this is Psalm 42 and 43, and we're going to get into it. And we're going to spend a ton of time in verse 1 and verse 2, and then we're going to follow through the rest of it. But this is one of, I think, probably 50 psalms of lament. So of the 150 psalms, a third of them are laments. Now, lament, I think we might have a slide for it. Um, they are loud cries. They are howls. They are passionate expressions of grief. I read a lot of books about lament. One author said that a lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Another said it's tr transition from pain to promise. Another said it's permission to wrestle with sorrow instead of rushing to end it, which is what we kind of like to do, right? Can we just get to the end? Is there like a, a step plan? I can just move to the end of this pain, of this sadness, so I can be happy again? Another said it takes faith, it takes trust to lament. So one of the things we've been asking you to do as a church is that uh, would you consider creating your own psalm? Written, spoken, sung, drawn, painted, created in some way. Would you consider creating a psalm that comes from you? And so if this service, if sadness resonates with where you are currently, I want you to know how to do that. So there are four parts to a lament, kind of basic. First, it's, a, it's addressed to God. So you're talking to God. It's followed by a complaint. It's followed by a request. It's followed by an expression of trust or praise. So that's the basic structure. What you'll see in our state, if we get to it, there are three of those. So it's actually Psalm 42 and 43 are actually one big psalm. We're going to see if we get to all of it. I want you to know what it is. An author said, why must we lament? Why is it an important thing to do in life? So again, I don't know where you're coming in today from. If maybe life is very good today, well, that's great. I'm glad it's that way. Maybe some of us are very sad today. I don't know what, I don't know what your sadness comes from if you are sad. Uh, it could be a loss of a hope or a future, an idea of what you thought would happen or could happen. It's not going to happen. It makes you sad. I'm not sure perhaps if you've lost a person in this life or into the next. I have no idea. That might make you sad. Um, let's see. For me, I think the fundamental thing that makes me the most sad is broken relationships. Different factors play into that, but when a relationship is lost or is broken, in my life that has made me the most Sad. So I don't know what you bring to the table, but what I don't want to do is think I have all of the answers. I was reading Eugene Peterson this past week, his book called The Pastor, and he's talking about doing the funeral service for his father and his mother. And in the service, he was just reading the scripture and he broke down. He said, all these people have grieved, it's my turn. So he did. And when he had composed himself, he finished reading. When he was done, he went off into a side room and a person came alongside him and for three or four minutes told him a whole bunch of pastoral cliches. True statements, he said. True things. He said, but I couldn't wait for him to leave. And he said, I hope, to his daughter, I hope I've never done that to someone. And she said really kindly, you would never do that, Dad. He said, but in my heart I knew I had. So I don't want to throw, that's my heart today is that you in your own way for whatever has made you sad, big to small, I find sadness changes through life that you would give voice to it. 
you would bring it to God, and he would somehow start moving you towards hope. And the hope I'm talking about is not happy, clappy hope. I think someone in this room always says, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? It's not that kind of hope. It's different than that. I can't even describe it. I've been thinking about it a lot. It's, it's really weighty. It's really big. It's really grounded. I know something, but that doesn't mean that my sadness cannot sit right inside the hope. They are not apart. They're not differentiated. Sadness and hope, what I'm talking about today, actually can live together. In deep sadness, you can feel great hope, and that doesn't make a lot of sense, but it just kind of happens. I know this to be true. So that's the hope for today. So I want to start digging in. And what I see, well, yeah, all right, let's do this. Okay. I changed some stuff around, and I'm trying to figure out where I want to go. Psalm 42. Let's just start in verse 1 and verse 2. We're just going to linger there for a while. So as the deer stream, uh, pants or longs for streams with water, so my soul pants or longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I meet with God? So he's equating sadness to not being with God. He's longing, he's thirsting for God. Now what's different here, and I learned this, is that the word soul is different than how I have thought of it historically. I think of soul, I think of some part of me that lives on forever. I think, is that how people kind of think of soul? We've differentiated our bodies from our souls. And that is not the word that he is using. It's actually a word that's used 754 times in the Old Testament. It's used a ton. 754 times. That's a lot of times. And when he says, I, it's my soul longs, what he's saying is my whole person. Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, my whole person longs for God. So that actually the most basic meaning of that word is throat, which makes a ton of sense in this verse. So that would be, as the deer pants for streams with water, so my throat longs for you, O God. My throat thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? So your throat, in that day, connects your head to your body. Through your throat comes what? Food, water, oxygen. So through your throat is life. So he's saying, I am longing for God right now, whatever they are going through, with my whole person. And what I like to do, perhaps, maybe you've done this before, is I try to differentiate how I feel from my body, but all those things are kind of interconnected. We are a, I heard one guy say, you are a soul. Like, um, uh, on airplane, how many souls are on board, right? That's how they used to think of the word. It's your whole person. So he's longing for God because of whatever he is going through, he just knows that he needs God and he's longing with everything that he has. He's so thirsty. And so I did some research into what, what does water do for you? Just in general. Did you know that water, the thirst, what we put in ourselves, it lubricates your joints. I always thought that was a joke. I had a coach used to say that to me. Water lubricates your muscles. It's true. Water boosts your skin health. It cushions your brain, your spinal cord. Body. Water regulates your body temp. Water flushes waste. Water maintains your blood pressure. Your airways need water. Water delivers oxygen through your body, through your blood. Water helps your digestive system. We need water. We need it to live. 
And this person, with whatever they are working through, it's so hard, it's so painful, he's so sad that he's saying, I need you like I need water. That's the kind of longing. So my sentence for today, I think I put up there earlier, is that it is good to be thirsty. So we want to give voice to the things in this life that make us long for God. It's because we recognize that we need him. But when we are really thirsty, it's very disorienting. Because if you don't have enough water, you're really lethargic. You can't move very well, right? I had a teammate one time who uh, uh, we were doing uh, preseason conditioning drills, and he hadn't drank water all day. We didn't know this. And we're running sprints. We were running for two hours, and we, he all of a sudden just falls over. And we're like, oh, crap, what happened? We go over and check him out. He is bone dry. Not, there, no water on his skin, no water on his jersey. He is dry. We carried him to the training room. Like, I, what do we do with this guy? He couldn't move. He was frozen. When you're really thirsty, you, are, you can't move. But also mentally what happens when you're really thirsty is you can get really distracted. You can't focus. You ever tried fasting from water for a little bit or not drinking water? It's hard to think. We need water. And he says, that's what it feels like when deep says to long for God to that degree. We need God, he says. So that's where he starts. But the more I've read this psalm, the more I feel like it's almost, you know, I read it and I just read it. Like how long does it take you to read Psalm 42 and 43? Five minutes, six minutes, right? The more I spend time in it, though, I feel like this is, this psalm was written over a long period of time. Because as you follow through, there's this, something is happening in life and he has become disoriented. He's thirsty, he's disoriented. Then he reorients himself. Something happens, he becomes disoriented. And then he has to find a way to reorient himself. And there's this constant process of, I think, a life being disoriented, then reoriented, then disoriented, then reoriented. And if you follow the psalm as they work their way through, as he works their way through, it gets, the longer he does this, the longer he's living this life with God, honestly bringing all of his sadness to him, whatever's happening to him, bring it to him, and then being with him to some degree, his language gets more and more and more hopeful. It's like it's changing his mind or something. But he has to be honest. As the deer pants, longs for streams with water, so my whole being longs for you, God. My whole being thirsts for you, God. Living God. And I realized as I was telling the story earlier, I forgot to mention my wife and I were trying to figure out. This sermon, it's been striking closer and closer to home for me. As we were trying to navigate seasons of grief, I realized that we used to read something together. It's called the Songs of Jesus. They're the Psalms. And what we would do in the morning is we'd wake up, and I'd take a turn, and I'd underline things and circle things and date things and write things, and I'd pass it to Kelly. And she would do the same. And as we go back through this book, different times, we go back and we see what has happened. It's in the moment, it's so hard. So what I see, how, how does he reorient himself? What does he do in the song? Over and over, he remembers. He remembers. He remembers. 
but we don't take a lot of time to remember what God has done. So let's work through a little bit. I just want to go through a little bit of disorientation and reorientation. So he's thirsting for God. He says, my tears have been my food day and night, while people all day long say, where is God in your suffering? Have you ever cried like that? Have you ever wept? Have you ever really wept? It's exhausting. And then in your pain, have you had someone say, well, what's wrong? Why'd that happen? Ever blame you? Where's your God? Ever felt that way? Where, might ask yourself, where are you, God? Where are you in this? I don't understand. He's disoriented. So what does he do? He reorients. He remembers the time when he gathered with the people of God. And he worshiped with the people of God. That's why it's so important to regather. What I love about the Psalms is they are written, they're individual things, like people write them, but they're meant for other people. They're meant to be shared with other people. Why? Because sometimes when we are in seasons of sadness or grief or suffering, we think we're the only person who knows what we're going through. Is that true? That is a lie. That is what evil would like you to think. That is what the devil would want you to think, that you're the only one and you better solve this yourself. What the Psalms do is they say that people have been living for thousands of years, going through all kinds of things. And if you don't know what to pray, if you don't know what to do, pray these. Listen to how they process. Listen to how they remain faithful. These are for us. They're individual words meant for all of us to be shared together. So he remembers a time when he was with the people of God and encourages him. But still, why are you so downcast? Why so sorrowful? My whole self, why? Why so disturbed? And that word is a, it's a violent agitation. You feel like you're being thrown about by the waves. Why? He's, but he tells himself, put your hope in God. My Savior and my God. That's a good thing to say, right? But what happens next? He says, but my soul is downcast. Even though he knows these things to be true. He's like, I'm still broken. I'm still so sad. What does he do? He looks to the world around him. He looks to the mountains. He looks to the trees. He looks to the waterfalls. He looks to this world that this God he believes in has created and holds, sustains this really good world that he made. And he still maintains. He's looking outside of himself. Look what the Lord does. He recognized that he directs him all day. He senses his love. At night, there's a song. He's singing over him. Even though he's still sad, even though he's still downcast, he's reminding himself of all of these things. But he still says, why? You know what I love is that we get to, this is in the Bible. Why? It's like the Lord wants us to, wants to make sure that we know that we can ask that question. We grow up asking that question. I think for some reason we think maybe later we can't ask God that question or something. But he's saying, no, no, no. There's 50 of these. Ask why. Tell me the whole story. Tell me all about it. Don't leave anything out. So I have a memory of being in a visitation line. I was staying next to my wife, and we were getting ready to bury her dad. And all these people, my father was a police officer. All these people were coming through, and they were coming to pay their respects. And they would come up to her and they would start to tell stories about him. Good stories. 
And as soon as they moved to a point of their emotion was going to overtake them, they would leave. They'd walk away. They couldn't do it. And my wife later said, I just wanted to go and grab them and say, tell me the whole story. I will cry with you. I will stand here with you all day. Tell me the entire story. Leave no detail out. Tell me how you felt. Tell me how he made you feel. Tell me the whole story. I feel like when God gives us these Psalms, lament, he's saying, tell me the whole story. Leave nothing out. I'm capable. I can handle it. I will cry with you. I will be with you, but don't leave it out. Because if you do, if you don't lament, the easy thing to do is to become very angry or just deny everything. And I think you become the kind of person that, well, I don't think anyone wants to be around you then. But tell them the whole story. I love this is in here. Why are you downcast? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. So he's just working through life. Man, I don't get this. Remember the ways God's been with me in the past. I don't get this. Remember. I don't get this. Remember. There's lots of remembering in this book. Then watch how the language changes. In Psalm 43, now he's speaking differently. He says, vindicate me, God. Because I know who you are. Because I know what you've done. He's saying, fight for me. You fight for me. He is still one, his, his cause to be pled. He's, life is still hard. He says, but I know you'll fight with me and you'll fight for me. Come fight for me. Listen to how it's changing because he keeps reorienting his heart as he works his way through life. He says, you send your light, send your truth. You send those to me. You will guide me. You will lead me. Why? How do I know? Because I've been remembering all the things you've done through all the stuff in life all the way through. If I stop to pay attention, if I stop to look, you've been with us. A super smart person tells me all the time, look at life in decades. Not moment by moment. Enjoy the moments. But we need to see what is going on in life. Take a step out of life and look what's happened in the last 10 years. What is going on in your life? Has the Lord been with you? If you've been with him, he's been with you. I know that. So you say, fight for me, God. I know you will. Send your light. Send your truth. I know you will. And then I love it. It feels like it ends, to me it ends, I don't know if it's true or not, my interpretation, at the end of life. Because someday I will go to the house of God and I will worship God. I will be with God. So put your hope in God. And that is really hard. My favorite way to sum up the gospel is that God's in charge and you can trust him. What a challenging statement. What a hard thing to actually put in practice. Right? Am I the only one who has a hard time with this? I'm trying. I, I listened to a guy the other day. He's, I, I respect him. He said, I, I long, I thirst to not be suspicious of God. He said, there's so many bad things in this world. He said, God, I, he said, I, I don't think God's doing those things to me. I think that God loves me. He said, but I'm still suspicious. This guy has been like a longtime pastor. He said, I'm still trying to figure this out. I see so much grace in this process. Getting lost, not being sure what to do. It's okay. Reorient yourself. Remember what God has done. Turn to him. It's going to be hard to say. You might not necessarily feel it. That's how I read this. He says things, but he's still sad. That's okay. 
What a beautiful way to do life. Connected your whole person, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Give it all to God. Invite the band up. So how do we reorient ourselves? Reorientation. I love the evening and morning prayer. What are small things we can do to keep remembering, to keep connecting? You end your day. Lord, this was today. I saw you here. Here was this. Give it all to God before you rest, right? And then sleep, they said, the Hebrews believed, was the start of your day. So start resting, having given everything to him. And then awake and say, God, here's today. Here's what I think. This is what I think might happen. What a rhythm. What a reorientation every single day. What a practice. They're right out there if you don't have one. Second thing, read the Psalms. We have a little podcast. We essentially read it to you. Just listen. Put the words in. I have found so many times recently where I've been asked to pray for someone and I have no idea what to say. I know people who are way wiser than me have a lot of seasons in life where they do not know what to pray. These are prayers of people for thousands of years. So when I don't know what to say, I start reading. And I look for one. These are tried and true. These are from God. Put the Psalms in your heart. And the last one, been learning about, I want you to go for a walk. I want you to go for a long walk. I want you to walk for one hour with no headphones, no podcasts, no music. You can bring a person or a dog if they walk well with you. What did he do when he needed to remember? He just went out and got out into God's world. It's so hard to hear God. I'm trying to teach my three-year-old right now to not talk on top of people. I talk on top of God all the time. I, I, I ask, I, I voice something, I just talk right on top of him. I never take time to listen. Well, tell you what, I've been trying this. Go walk by yourself for an hour and think, I'm not going to think about today. I'm just going to be right here. See what happens in your thoughts. See what comes to mind. And then you know what? If you know somebody who is sad, bring them with you. Talk to them. You know, they say that walking outside for 20 minutes three times a week with no distractions will dramatically improve your overall health. It'll improve your soul because you're a soul. It's pretty simple. Just go for a walk. But then when you get done, Today's not as good because it's nice out today. But if you want on a hot day, take a really long drink. Be thirsty. Just take a big drink. And maybe when you do it, say, Man, God, I thirst for you. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that, uh, I don't know, for the Psalms. We're grateful that you're a God who understands all of life. The disorientation and the reorientation. 
but your promise is that you will walk with us. So I just want to say a special prayer for those in the room right now who are, who are sad, who are isolated, who are lonely, who just need to know that you are with them and so are your people. So would your presence be very, very obvious and apparent? Because you are a good God. And you'll do that. If anyone who is feeling that way just in worship or after worship, just know that you can come forward and receive prayer. There is something powerful that happens when prayers are prayed out loud. So I pray there'd be those who, who need prayer today, who need to hear words from you through the people you choose to partner with. They would come and they would just be prayed for. Pray in Jesus' name. Also, at any point in time, if you want to come forward and receive communion, you can. I heard a really wise person one time say that there was a long period of time where they had undergone really hard things. And they felt like for like about 10 years that they could not sing. So they would let the praise of the people be their praise. As others would sing, that would be their praise. But they would come forward, they felt like a little kid, and they would receive the bread through the body and the blood and it would help sustain them. So if elders come forward as well, but worship however you can.